0: we are back folks this is the detroiter covering sports in the motor city in the mitten state presented by the second string in the secondstring.com i'm your host nick bradley hope everybody's having a nice little thanksgiving week here turkey day i had a thanksgiving dinner yesterday fucking feeling it today. I'll tell you that much. I am feeling it today. I don't know whether it was the turkey, the gravy, the desserts, the booze, whatever it is. You can tell I ate a disgusting amount yesterday and I'm I'm not loving it, to be quite frank with you. I'm not loving the results of yesterday, today, whatever. I think my small intestine, my stomach, they're kind of giving out on me. Like We talk about health and keeping the body healthy, working out, reading books, going for walks, the mental, the physical, what do I got to do to get my stomach back in shape? What do I have to do to improve my digestion? Do I need to start drinking ginger every morning, like chia seeds, celery? I don't know what the solution is, but the muscles or the uh, stomach's got to get in the weight room a bit. Small intestine has to hit the treadmill every now and then. I'm starting to feel it. I'm 24 years old. I feel like my stomach should be operating at maximum capacity right now. I don't want to find out what it's going to be like when I'm 50. Will I only be like a squirrel? I can only eat like nuts and leaves. Is that what I'm going to come to? I don't know. I hope not, but it feels like I'm going down that path. Big week. Big weekend, I should say, in the Detroit sports world. Ah. Michigan State. um, I think they played a game against Ohio State. I think they showed up. I think the team was there. It's hard to tell, though, watching it. It was very difficult to tell. MSU gets trounced, gets annihilated, vaporized, destroyed, demolished, pulverized, whatever, gets fucking killed by Ohio State. Like, not beaten, not dominated, not blown out. Like, absolutely soul removed from you, murdered, laid to rest, six feet under. It was fucking bad. The least fun I've ever had watching a sporting event. And not even to mention, like, If it was oh you get you're six and six and you get killed by Ohio State whatever I mean we've all been killed by Ohio State at this point it's not like that part of it was new but the fact that I woke up Saturday chipper as a flipper I'm ready to watch some football and deep like I'm believing I'm riding with my dogs I'm like dude there's a way there's a way they 2015 there was no chance MSU could have beaten them even without Connor Cook there's no way they could have beaten them and they pulled it off so I showed up Saturday morning. I'm getting drinking my coffee. I'm full of belief. I'm full of hope, happiness. Within like two minutes of the game starting, all of that left. And it was despair, darkness, grief, pretty every negative adjective in the book. That's kind of what I was feeling. Very depressing day. Very, very, very fucking depressing day. Michigan takes care of Maryland, killed them. Um, and obviously they got the big one this Saturday against Ohio State. I don't know. I mean, Michigan, they took care of business. Cade played well. I didn't really want, I watched like the first half of that game and then they started beating them. And I was like, all right, I don't, I was depressed of football from the state game. So I was like, I'm going to just fucking watch Seinfeld and go to bed. I, um, we're going to, Thursday's episode is going to just be Michigan, Ohio State. Unless Correa signs, unless Isaiah Stewart fights someone else or something, Thursday's episode is going to be nothing but, Michigan, Ohio State. We'll talk a little Michigan State, Penn State, I suppose. But it's going to be predominantly Michigan, Ohio State. So for that reason, we're going to hold off on the Michigan talk today. It was a good win. It was a game they obviously had to win. It was a game they had to win to, to carry on their season, get to Ohio State, have a chance. But again, I've been saying it ever since that Michigan State game, Harbaugh, you can't lose another game unless it's to Ohio State. And even then, if they lose, when they lose, People are going to be very upset, obviously, rightfully so. It'll be the seventh or eighth time he's lost to them, whatever it is. He couldn't afford to lose to a team before them. Though. You can't lose to the Maryland. You can't lose to the Purdue like MSU did. You can't lose to the Indiana. That's an instant nail in the coffin. So all the marbles, he said it. We're We want all the marbles. We want to finish this thing. So Thursday, we're going to go all in on that. I'm excited. I'm excited. I know it sucks. State's out. Their dreams, you know, still a great season, obviously. But their dreams, hopes, aspirations, done. Fucking blows. But it is what it is. Nature of the game. That's sports. I'm excited for the Michigan-Ohio State matchup. I'm excited to see if Michigan can get it done for once, right? Everybody's saying this year's different. Right. Every fucking year is different. At least that's what they say. This year is different. This team's special. They've won games that Michigan teams have passed, have lost. We're going to find out. Do they win the game? Are they going to be able to match up with the powerhouse of the Big Ten with the big boy on the block for the last 10 years? We'll see what happens. I'm excited for the matchup. I'm excited to see what Harbaugh brings to the table. When you play Ohio State, as, as much as – You know, Michigan's been able to dominate teams doing what they do and sticking to their game plans. You got to bring more when you play the Ohio States of the world. That was kind of one of the bummers of the state game. It was like, look, Mel, like you've been running flea flickers fucking all year. You're pulling them out against Rutgers, Indiana. Where was that shit against Ohio State? I know you didn't think halfback dives and smash fades were going to get it done against Ohio State. You've been pulling out the stops for lesser opponents. And then when you finally get to Goliath, let's just keep it clean. Let's go safe. Let's do the stuff we we've known since, since August. Didn't love that. And we'll get into the state game, but I'm excited for the, the matchup this weekend um, in Ann Arbor. And then the fucking talk of Detroit, right? Red Wings are losing. I don't know if I want to talk about them. It makes me sad Four straight on the road. They lost to Arizona. That game at you lose to the, the fucking Coyotes after you've dropped three straight. You finally have a full lineup. You need points. If they're tr- like, if you guys want to make it interesting for the playoffs, you need points. And they lose to the Arizona. They got the OT point, but dude, fucking Arizona, they they suck. They're the worst team in the NHL. Kind of a shitty time for the Red Wings, especially off that hot start where it's like Raymond's great, Cider's great, Larkin's been buzzing. This team, like, they're pretty good. They're not, you know, they're probably not going to win a playoff series, but they're good enough to make things interesting. They're good enough to be in it till the end, maybe sneak into a wild card spot or at least keep it close. That four-game road trip kind of feels like the end. I know it's still early in the year, and they could very well go on a streak where they win five, six in a row. They're going to have to if they want any hopes of making the playoffs. But it was like you can't. When you go on the road, you got to go 500. You got to go 500, and if you're going to lose three, you have to win the fourth. You have to. You can't go 0-4. Felt like the momentum. It feels like the momentum's all gone, the wind's out of the sails. Everything that we were praising and getting excited about and loving and like looking around causing me to come on here and talk about, I don't know, the Red Wings might be good. They might make the playoffs. It feels like everything that led up to that is just gone. All of a sudden, they can't score goals. I don't really understand how that Raymond, Larkin, Bertuzzi line – They don't net, like, two a night. I don't really get that. Just shitty. Just fucking shitty. Like, the Lions stink. The Pistons stink. Tigers stink and are in the offseason. It was like, finally, dude. Finally, in Detroit, we got something exciting. The Red Wings, you know, they're not the greatest. They're not Tampa Bay. The Red Wings are winning some games, though. They're fun to watch. They're beating teams they probably shouldn't beat. They're beating teams they should beat. They're great at home. Like, they're keeping it interesting. It's been great. They got fun players and then they go on a four-game losing streak, and it's like back to square one. Ass. Ass. Very depressing. When that Arizona game finished, it was like, oh, man. You guys couldn't pull that one off? Couldn't beat Arizona? I mean, it was a home crowd if anybody watched the game. It was a fucking Detroit crowd in Arizona. You were, you get a free home game on the road, and you can't beat the worst team in the NHL. When you need a win, to. uh, Just tough stuff. Again, who knows? Like maybe they'll rip off five, six, seven in a row at some point, and now you're right back in it. Other teams slip. Other teams lose a few. You're right back in it. But it's – especially in the division they're in with the fucking Florida and Tampa, you have to just keep pace. Like your bad weeks have to just be 500. Your bad stretches have to be 500. You can't afford to fall behind more than like eight points. Otherwise, you're just getting left in the dust. Because those teams, Florida has Florida even fucking lost a game yet? Florida and Tampa, I tell you this, they're not losing four in a row. Those teams aren't going to go on five-game skids and let you back in it. That's just not going to happen. On the bright side, right, if they miss the playoffs, one more lottery pick probably doesn't hurt. A chance at Shane Wright certainly doesn't hurt, especially when you consider the fact that the NHL lottery is for sure rigged. It's time to throw Detroit a bone. The Pistons just got one through the NBA. If you're Gary Bettman and you're the NHL office, we know you've been throwing bones. You just threw New York a bone with Lafreniere, even though Raymond's better. You threw Chicago two bones way back when. You've thrown Edmonton a fucking million bones. Toronto got their bone with Matthews. You've thrown the bones. Detroit's the next franchise. It's nothing but good for the NHL when Detroit's good. You just signed that ESPN deal. Guess who? probably the number one team you can put on ES Toronto. And then after them, probably the Detroit Red Wings, to be honest with you, you hear it. They go to fucking Vegas. They go to Arizona. They go to LA. The crowd is at least 50, 50 Detroit fans everywhere they go. It's just a constant. It's time for them to get a bone. When's the last time they've had a number one pick fucking like the eighties or something. I don't know. I have no idea off the top of my head. And that's saying something. And They got boned in that Lafreniere lottery. It seemed like that was the year. I mean, they were the worst team in the NHL. It seemed that that was the year to throw them a bone. You sneak in, maybe have the ninth, tenth best odds at Shane Wright. You never know. By some godsend, Gary Bettman's like, dude, if if the Red Wings get Shane Wright, I mean, they're already good. They already have prospects. They're already on the rise. You throw them Shane Wright, that's probably at least one Stanley Cup. That's almost a guarantee for a Stanley Cup, assuming health and everything like that. I don't know how the NHL couldn't love that. I mean, you have to. Money, 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 dollar signs. Shane Wright in a Red Wings uniform is dollar signs. It's the bank vault's opening. So we'll see. That is the bright side of the Red Wings skidding and kind of, if this carries on throughout the year where they just kind of get further and further removed from being in it at all, that's the one positive is, you know, maybe... Maybe we know the NHL is full of shit. We know that lottery is certainly not to the most deserving. We know Gary Bettman's got some ulterior motives at play. Like I said, Chicago's gotten their fair share Toronto. um, Who else? New York, the original six teams, Boston's good. They won't need anything. Ottawa's a team, Ottawa, Montreal. Those are the only two other teams that I feel like would threaten if they were in that conversation, so that's the bright side, but still very sad. I mean, like tanking, getting sweet prospects, getting Shane right. Like if you could guarantee me if the Red Wings don't make the playoffs this year, they get Shane Wright, let's fucking lose all the games. I don't care, but obviously not a guarantee. And winning's more fun than losing, even though, yeah, it's probably for the best. Like one more year of a high draft pick, one more year of rebuilding, one more year of maximizing our future potential, probably for the best. I think I said this at the beginning of the season, like, Yeah, I agree. Like, long-term, winning Stanley Cups, like, building this thing the right way, probably good that this year we get a lottery pick versus a non-lottery pick. But after being the fucking worst for five, six years in a row now, it's like you get a taste of success. You get a taste of winning, and especially when it's your young guys. Some of these guys, you've been through the dark times to acquire, and now they're paying off. Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, you get that taste like, oh, shit this is like this kind of work. These guys are the real deal. They're going to help us win. You get a taste of it working. It's like, I don't fucking want to go back. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back to the lottery. I thought we were done with that shit. So I don't know, bright side negatives, whatever. Um, I'm still sad about it again, like winning's way more fun than losing. Watching winning hockey is way more fun than watching winning hockey. That's just a fact It goes for all sports as much as you want to tank then same deal. Like, yeah, they're they're terrible. Obviously, they're gonna get a high draft pick, and that's for the best. Like they need Paolo Banchero, but like it'd be cool if the Pistons won games. It'd be cool if the Pistons figured out a way to win that Laker game the other night. It would be sweet to be able to turn on the Pistons and not know for a fact that they're gonna lose every night. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just Detroit, like. <sighs> I mean, we could do an entire fucking podcast about just the losing teams in the city and how desperately the fan bases here want just a taste, just want something to cling to and how they deserve it and how it should be that way. It's like you finally get one with the wings like they come out of the gates hot and now they're kind of receding back into whatever mediocrity, less than mediocrity. It's like fucking watching them slip through your fingers. You don't want that. But. Big conversations today. Isaiah Stewart gets in a tussle with LeBron James. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen, I think. I don't remember Malice in the Palace. Obviously, everybody knows it. I don't remember it. I didn't watch it. Like, I have zero real-time recollection. That fucking scene at LCA, Malice at the Pizza Palace, between Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James is the most interesting. The Pistons have been in my entire life on floor. The only thing more interesting than that was Cade Cunningham being drafted. There is nothing that has happened in a game. That's been more interesting than that altercation. I can't believe what fucking happened. I can't believe LeBron James straight up hit him with a flying back fist. Like, First things first, you can't tell me that was an accident. I don't care if you're LeBron James' kid. I don't care how big of a fan you are of the guy. I understand he's the king. He's changed basketball. Him and Michael Jordan are the two most iconic figures in maybe the history of American sports, let alone the NBA. You cannot tell me that that was an accident. You cannot unbiasedly, even biasly, Even biasly, you cannot watch that video and have the takeaway be, oh, LeBron didn't mean to do that. Did Mike Tyson not mean to knock out all those guys either? What the fuck do you mean he didn't mean to do that? Of course he meant to do that. He was upset that he was getting boxed out by a 20-year-old because LeBron was being lazy on a free throw. And, and, And LeBron's job, LeBron's responsibility on that free throw shouldn't have been to try and jostle with Isaiah Stewart it should have been to box out the shooter. You cannot tell me that that was an accident. He was upset. He's fucking LeBron. You don't think he's an egomaniac. He was upset. His feelings were hurt that this young kid was out hustling him and taking advantage of his lazy ass fucking effort on a free throw. So he said, you know what? I'm not going to get boxed out. Let me just, I don't know, fucking punch him in the face. How's that? You can't tell me it was an accident. Watch the video. He's getting moved. Isaiah Stewart's got his forearm like in LeBron's side, boxing his ass out, right? Trying to get a rebound. LeBron has a moment where he's like, hold on a sec. This 20-year-old second-year kid playing for the fucking Pistons is boxing me out this hard right now on a free throw? Uh Uh-uh. And I'm getting moved? Nobody moves LeBron James. I'm getting moved? All right. Let me just swing my arm as violently as I possibly can. Maybe I'll hit him in the face. Maybe it'll be the shoulder. Maybe it'll be air. I'm going to just swing my arm as violently as I can. He looked at him. You can see LeBron closing his fist too. It's not like he's just shaking his arm off to try and get loose. You can see his fist comes to a close and he swings it. He swings it. He was intending to do damage. He wasn't trying to get his arm loose, right? He wasn't trying to get free for the rebound. He's not even looking at the basketball. He's looking at Isaiah Stort. His fist is coming to a close and he swings it like he's trying to hurt someone. It's not like, let me just get loose. Let me just move my arm in this specific way and I'll be free. It's I'm going to just whip my arm back as hard as I physically can And we'll see what happens. And that's exactly what he did. And it caught Isaiah Stewart directly in the mouth, dude. Watching, there's one angle where it's like horizontal on the floor and you can see how hard LeBron hits him. I don't understand how Isaiah Stewart didn't go to the ground. He stumbled. I don't get how he's not like fucking face planting on the floor right there. I mean, he got cracked. He got cracked. I don't know if Isaiah Stewart wears a mouth guard. If he doesn't, I don't know how he didn't lose teeth. He may have. He got cracked. Absolutely cracked and his face is bleeding everywhere. His eyes bleeding, his mouth's bleeding. Everything's fucking bleeding, but it was an accident. Come on now. And then Stu with the rage of a thousand volcanoes, this guy, he looked like Bruce Banner. The first time he turned into the Hulk, like he didn't even realize his own strength. The best part, too, is he has the uh, – obviously, he's pissed right off the bat. He gets right in LeBron's face. And this is the other aspect that I think is interesting. You see right after it, he gets in LeBron's face. He's, he's fucking in his mouth, and he's like, I assume, saying something along the lines of, what the fuck was that? And they're kind of subdued. Like, they're – obviously, Isaiah's angry, but they're kind of subdued. Isaiah's not swinging. He's not charging through people, and they start jawing – Talking shit, probably obviously don't know what they were saying. But this is the other thing. Everyone's saying, Oh, LeBron immediately went over to him to say, Oh, sorry, bro. My bad. I didn't mean to. Fuck out of here with that. Isaiah got more upset after they were face to face and yelling or talking to each other. What you you think LeBron that whole time like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Fuck no. You think him apologizing made Isaiah Stewart more angry? Like I said, they were subdued, they're talking. Isaiah gets ushered away by the fucking entire Roman army. It feels like. And as soon as he gets near the bench, he's like, I'm cool. (laughs) The oldest trick in the book. I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No guys, I'm good. I'm good. And as soon as everyone's like, all right, he's good. All right, fine. Let him go. He's fine. As soon as they let him go, he fucking bolts back towards LeBron trucking people. He looked like Derrick Henry. He looked better than Derrick Henry. He looked like he would have won a Heisman all four years he was in college. He looked like he'd be the NFL's all-time leading rusher. I mean, he didn't care if there was a brick wall between him and LeBron. He would have gone through it. It was was a spectacle. (laughs) It was a spectacle watching that man just truck through other human beings. No regard for human life. The LCA security staff, they didn't fucking prepare for that. They prepared for a drunk dude throwing popcorn, right? They prepared for picking up the walkie-talkie and they're saying, yeah, 14A, we got to get this guy out of here. They didn't prepare for a, what, 260 pound human being made of nothing but concrete iron and steel charging at them with death, but behind his eyes, they did not prepare for that right they don't teach you that at little caesar's arena fucking security training they tell you where the seats are they tell you how to operate the walkie talkie and they say if you have any questions let me know i don't know who you're who you're asking the questions to there hey yeah there's a 6869 professional athlete that looks like he wants to kill somebody he's running full steam at me um could you guys get the manager on the line i don't know what i'm supposed to do here am i i'm supposed to stop this guy i'm going to end up in a hospital you guys cover that Am I supposed to hit him in the legs, take out the knees like he is Derrick Henry? Like I'm a i I'll probably get stiff armed if I do. I mean, Isaiah was planting people in the hardwood floor. I do kind of feel bad for those, like the Pistons staff, the LCA staff, the people that I fucking God love them. They were doing they were doing their jobs. They were trying to do their jobs. They were just met with an unstoppable force. LCA training doesn't require three hours of weightlifting a day. Playing for the Detroit Pistons does, right? LCA training doesn't require you to be a six foot nine absolute monster playing for the Detroit Pistons does. And um, it was made very evident. If people ever wonder like, oh, maybe it's a good idea if I talk shit to this athlete or let me go on Twitter and talk about how I would beat this guy, this pro athlete up. If I saw him on real life, If anybody's ever wondered that or thought that or shot off a tweet like that. uh, Let this be a warning. Let this be a message. You can't beat up whatever athlete you're talking about. The catcher, Miguel Cabrera, the guy who doesn't even, you know, he's not even that athletic. Uh, Trust me, he will put a hole through your face. Isaiah Stewart proved that to the world. It was fucking unbelievable. I LCA, I've never heard a crowd like that at LCA. And it was awesome, too, because it was a lot of Laker fans. But, but, to a point in that game, it was a good game. The Pistons were winning. The Lakers came back. That scuffle AD on Cade was crazy. It got to a point in that game where the crowd, like they didn't, there was no allegiances to anyone. There was no allegiance to LeBron, to the teams, nothing. It was just anything that fucking happens, we're cheering. AD blocks Cade, we're cheering. Cade beats AD for a layup, we're cheering. LeBron punches Isaiah Stewart, we're cheering. Isaiah Stewart chases after LeBron like he wants to end him, we're cheering. LeBron gets ejected, we're cheering. LeBron walks off the floor, we're booing. It was crazy. I've never heard that much energy inside that arena, and it, again, again, every fucking time, whether it's a Red Wings game, a Tigers game, Pistons game, whatever, every time a crowd has that kind of energy and emotion, it just brings me back to, man, imagine if these teams were good. Imagine winning teams playing in these buildings. Imagine crowds not having to to get their cheering out because of a fight and ejections. Imagine them getting their cheers out because the home team wins fucking games and does cool stuff. Imagine a world in which that's the case, but the crowd was electric. Like I said, Allegiances, those Laker fans, they didn't give a fuck. They booed the hell out of LeBron too. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. And it was awesome for Isaiah Stewart and the Pistons. You get in a scuffle with LeBron James. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of athletes in the NBA are are getting down on a knee and kissing his toes. After that, ninety nine percent are bending the knee. Sorry, LeBron. Oh shit, I'm sorry, LeBron. I didn't, I didn't know that was you that punched me. My bad, buddy. Isaiah Stewart. Fucking, who cares that it's LeBron? And he should have been upset. He had every right to be. Like I said, you watch that video. You, you can't tell me LeBron didn't know what he was doing. He punched him in the fucking face during a basketball game. LeBron, it's, it's not his rookie year. LeBron isn't the 20-year-old. It's not his first time getting boxed out and trying to get free. He knew exactly what he was doing. You don't ball up your fist when you're trying to get your arm free, right? That just makes it harder to get your arm free. He knew exactly what he was doing. Isaiah Stewart had every right to be like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy because he just punched me in the face. And he's going to get away with it because it's during an NBA game and because he's LeBron James. Isaiah had every right to be upset. And then you think about that in comparison where LeBron was, what, 36, 35, something like that, and Isaiah Stewart's a 20-year-old. Bro, you went to college fucking every Saturday night past the hour of 2 a.m. Any Anybody that's awake, all they're doing is fighting. People don't control their emotions when they're 20 years old, let alone when you're in the heat of battle you just got punched in the face during an NBA game by one of the freakish, most freakish human beings on the planet. Yeah. He's going to get upset. Like LeBron, if anybody should be held to a higher standard of like, Hey, LeBron, like I know you're LeBron and like your feelings get hurt when people are better at, at certain things of basketball than you, like on that one play when he did box you out, I know your feelings are hurt and you don't like it, but like, Just because you're LeBron, you can't go around punching kids in the face, LeBron. You know what I'm saying? You kind of just got to lick your wounds there. All right, you lost one rebound. Okay, you don't need to punch him in the fucking face over it. And then he acts like he's shocked that Isaiah Stewart's angry. He's, oh, I'm sorry, bro. My bad, my bad. He's apologizing. What are you, wait, what are you sorry for? Sorry for punching him in the face? Sorry for intentionally trying to KO him? That's what you're sorry for? You didn't trip him. You didn't accidentally stumble into him. Oh, you're sorry for punching him in the mouth. Oh, that's a weird thing to be sorry for considering, I don't know, 30 seconds ago, you intentionally made the decision of, yeah, I'm going to punch him in the mouth. What the fuck are you talking about, LeBron? Good for Isaiah for sticking up for himself. Most people wouldn't have. I will agree like that third charge when he's going back to the bench and he's acting like he's good to go. And then he fucking sends it. <laughs> he sends it back at LeBron there. And then the tunnel, when he, tried, he was on some stone cold shit. Those memes, by the way, where it's the stone cold, <laughs> the stone cold music is so funny. And then in the tunnel where he sprints back and is trying to like meet LeBron in the fucking locker room. Like it's Vince McMahon. Those two charges. It's like, all right. Okay. All right, relax, Isaiah. Like, you're not going to fist fight LeBron James. You got angry. You got in his face. I know you're upset. I agree. It's fucked up that he just punched you in the face. And that's the most annoying thing, dude. It's not like they're on the street and he got punched in the face. It's not like they're, they were in a after the whistle altercation and he got punched in the face. They're playing. Isaiah's trying to get a rebound. And LeBron, with the advantage and with the cover of it, being during the game where, oh, I didn't mean to. Oh, I'm just trying to get free. I mean, he punched him in the face. I, yeah, Isaiah has a right to be pissed. But at that point, it was like, dude, come on. Like, what if you get to LeBron there, Isaiah? Again, I'm happy he defended himself, and it was unbelievable, unbelievable to watch. Most exciting thing that's happened to the Pistons in fucking 12 years. But if you get to LeBron there, like, what do you – you're not going to do anything, dude. Like if you get up to LeBron and he cold cocks him and punches him in the face, you're out of the NBA. You're up. You're booking a one-way ticket to play basketball in China. You're, you're never, ever, ever getting away with anything in that scenario. The only thing he could have done if he had gotten there is just go right back up into his face and yell at him. Like if you, it's a good thing. He didn't get free and shout out to Cade Cunningham. The only think about this, the only other professional athlete that had the nuts to get in between Stewart and LeBron. The fucking employees, the LCA employees were trying to. Jeremy Grant wasn't out there. Lyles wasn't out there. Nobody, nobody. Sadiq's big boy. He wasn't out there. Thank God for Cade Cunningham. Because if Isaiah had gotten there and did something stupid, he's probably out of the league, let alone off the Pistons, let alone suspended forever. Yeah, the NBA, Adam Silver's like, do you know who you just punched? You can't do, like, watch a mob movie. There are guys you can hit, and there are guys you can't hit. LeBron James is one of, like, the five you cannot fucking touch. You can't even breathe on that guy without the league taking a look at it. It was electric, though. Good for Isaiah. It's fucking bullshit that LeBron got one fewer game. I mean, it was predictable. It doesn't matter. But, like, he fucking punched him in the face. He punched him in the face. I love this, though. I love that that bad boy attitude is back. And I love that LeBron James is going to be a rallying cry around Detroit basketball. He's public enemy number one. Detroit versus everybody, it's been that way, and it's staying that way. Quick break, MSU. What happened in Columbus this weekend is an absolute travesty. Can't happen again. Fucking embarrassing disgrace to the game of football, let alone Michigan State, putrid, pathetic, the worst, really, I don't know how else to put it, like, how, like, how else, actually, how else can you put it, you can't, I, I, I cannot believe how uncompetitive it was, like, we knew, all right, they're 20-point favorites, right, it's Ohio State, they have fucking first-round receivers everywhere, everybody's a five-star, you don't go there unless you're a five-star, Right, We knew, as well as MSU's played this year, as far as they've come, we still knew there were major talent deficiencies at multiple positions. Namely, you guessed it, the secondary and especially cornerback, the front four applying, I don't know, zero pressure the entire game. The linebackers weren't good. Um, The offensive line got eaten alive. We knew it was going to be an uphill battle. We knew the odds were against us, yada, yada, yada. I cannot believe and I cannot get over and my biggest takeaway and really the only thing that, that, I mean, the game itself and losing by that much left a sour feeling, but the biggest thing that left a sour feeling is just how uncompetitive it was. Like I can live with losing that game. I can live with losing that game by a lot. I can live with that game being like 42 to 14 where you just get the shit kicked out of you. I can't live with that game being 49 to 0 at halftime and it looking the way it looked. It looked like Ohio State went to the wrong field and they showed up at like a high school stadium and were playing fucking 16 year olds. It looked like the players on Michigan State's defense had no football training, didn't understand the concept of covering a wide receiver, didn't grasp how speed works, didn't grasp the fact that, oh, they can just throw 80-yard bombs. Like, that's legal. That's a fair play. That's probably what they will do. Didn't understand that. Didn't realize that that would probably happen. Almost like MSU's defense and the coaching staff wasn't aware, wasn't self-aware to the fact that, yeah, your secondary fucking blows right? Purdue made them look elementary and oh yeah, Ohio state is the king of going after bad secondaries. The king, not only bad ones, but unathletic ones, slow ones, incapable ones, uncapable, whatever the fucking term is. It looked like Michigan state didn't realize they have the worst secondary in the country. It looked like they didn't understand that Garrett Wilson is faster than everybody else on the roster. It looked like they were comfortable with, hey, Chester Kimbrough. Yeah, well, you can cover him one-on-one, can't you? It looked like that was a real thought, a real discussion that was had. Yeah, well, you think we should give him probably safety safety help, maybe double, double Garrett Wilson? You think we should help him out? No, dude, Chester Kimbrough. I mean, you can cover Garrett Wilson one-on-one. Nope, fucking 80-yard bomb. Right off the line, Garrett Wilson, five yards behind him. Instantly. Instantaneous. Before the ball reached C.J. Stroud's hands, Garrett Wilson's passed this guy. I, I just can't believe how uncompetitive it was. And we knew they were going to score, right? I mean, what, what else is going to happen? They have the most potent passing attack in the country. We have the worst passing defense in the country. We knew they were going to score points, right? It was probably a given they were scoring a 40-piece. I just can't believe how effortless it was. I mean, they you score 28 points in a quarter. You're scoring essentially as soon as you get the ball, every time you get the ball. I, I like Make them earn it. Make them run 10 plays and chew up six minutes. Make them march 80 yards. Don't just let them, oh, we're on offense, touchdown. Oh, we, two plays, touchdown. One run play, pass play, touchdown. Don't make it like that at least offer up some resistance, make it look like it's somewhat difficult, make it look like there is, in fact, a competition to be had. I mean, it was effortless from the Ohio State aspect. They legitimately looked like they weren't trying. You could have pulled up tape from Ohio State's practices that week where they're just running pass plays against air, and they would have maybe looked more complicated, more difficult, more resisted than what happened with an actual 11-man de- defense on the field against them. It was a fucking joke. It was a joke. And the worst part, we knew we knew they were going to get torched, but the offense had zero zero to do with anything. Only way State was going to be in that game, only way it was going to be competitive, look, Ohio State's going to score a fuck ton of points today. They score on the first drive. All right, we know what we signed up for. Peyton, this offense, that's been good all year. That's scored 37 on a very good Michigan defense. That has a Heisman candidate. I know his ankle was fucked up, whatever. You got to score points too. The only way this game doesn't become a complete and utter catastrophe is if you can match these drives. Is it Score a touchdown every other time they score. Chew up a couple minutes of the clock after they score. Give the defense a rest. Give them a little bit of time to make an adjustment or something. Give a little bit of life to the team, build a little bit of positive momentum. Hey, you know what? They score every single time they get the ball, but at least we score sometimes. That would fucking help. I know that wouldn't have won the game. That wouldn't have changed anything. That would fucking help, though. That game wouldn't have been pathetic. You wouldn't have finished the game with what? Seven points? You wouldn't have been losing 49 nothing at half. Like you go into half, make it 28 to 7, 28 to 14 you're going to lose. You're still going to lose the game. But hey, you know what? At least you're kind of fighting. At least it looks like you're trying. At least you appear to be a college football team. They could have been an FCS team for all all I would have known. You strip away the number seven ranking. You strip away Michigan State, get the logos out of there. If I would have tuned into that game, I would have been like, oh, is this like fucking Grand Valley State they're playing against? Who's Ohio State playing today? Who are these guys? Because they stink. I mean, it was truly embarrassing. And the offense, we knew we couldn't count on the defense. The offense, we counted on you. We needed you to at least bring bring something to the table. You can't win any game. You can't win any game. I don't care if they were playing Ohio State or fucking Indiana. You can't win any game when your defense brings nothing to the table and your offense also brings nothing to the table. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the Blue Bloods, the best in the country, or the worst. You can't win games like that, let alone when it is the best in the country. And your defense brings nothing to the table. And an offense that's produced all year, an offense that you've relied on all year, an offense that has beaten good defenses all year, brings nothing to the table. Not even like, oh, all right, whatever. They scored 21. Like, not a great game by any means for them, but. They had a pulse. Nothing. Not fucking shit. Not one play to mention. Other than the Keon Coleman play, which it was over. Nothing to the table. Zero value added. No part in trying to win that game for Michigan State. No part in even trying to keep that game close for Michigan State. And all week they had to be harping on. Listen, in those offensive meetings, maybe when the defense is out getting lunch. Guys, those dudes are going to get fucking roasted this week. We've been scoring points all year. If we're ever going to score points, if we're ever going to be on the top of our game, if we're ever going to match a team drive for drive, that happens this weekend. We have to. We have to. If we match them drive for drive, we're still probably going to lose. You have to match them at least drive for every two to keep it from being a complete embarrassment. And they did it, they had nothing to be there. Peyton Thorne didn't do shit. Jaden Reed didn't do shit. Kenneth Walker didn't do shit. That offensive line looked like they'd never blocked anybody in their lives. I mean, the offensive line truly looked scared. The offensive line truly looked like they were on, like, roller skates, the way Ohio State could just move them at will. I mean, Ohio State rushed for every play, and Peyton was under pressure every time he threw the ball. How how, how, How does that happen? You can't let that happen. You guys realize this is Ohio state. You guys realize you have to score fucking a ton. Nothing lifeless, pathetic performance from the offense. And it means more because they're the guys you count on. They're the guys you count on in the NBA. When the Lakers lose and LeBron has 40 and they lose, it's like, well can't expect Malik monk to have a 30 piece in the NBA. When Malik monk has a bad game and LeBron has a bad game and they lose it's LeBron, what the fuck is that? We were counting on you. We know we can't expect anything from Malik Monk. We expect something from you. We expect something. It doesn't always need to be the best. It doesn't always need to be a 30-point triple-double. We expect something, though. And the offense had nothing. Fucking pathetic. Worst worst game I've ever watched. Least fun I've had. Uh, I went to a bar with my friends was a little hungover. Got there. I'm still excited. Like, I was a little hungover, but I was just so pumped up. I'm feeling good. I'm fighting through it. I don't know. Maybe the eight-minute mark in the first quarter. It's like 21-zip. I'm sitting at the table like, dude, can we just fucking go home? This sucks. Sadly, we had already ordered food, and we're waiting for it. I just wanted to go home. I wanted to turn the game off, go home, lay down on my couch, and not think about football for the rest of the day. That's how pathetic it was. That's how draining it was. It was one of those days where you're like, you can't even get mad at the time. That's how bad they were beating. You know that feeling? Like sometimes when you're in a close game and you're doing stupid shit and in real time you're like, this is fucking costing us. You get angry because it's a stupid mistake and you know the team's capable of more and they're in the game. They're right there. They can make these plays to win and they fuck up so you get mad. It was so much worse than that. It wasn't even anger. It was just, oh, oh, man, this is, it was like, I want to go hide and never show my face. I want to go find the darkest closet, grab a few blankets, build a little fortress in there and never come out until my mom calls me for supper. It was, oh, oh, this is not, I'm angry. They can't score oh, I'm angry they can't stop anyone. Oh, I'm angry they don't make adjustments. It was, Whew. So this is how much better they are, huh? Like it come to terms with reality. And you know what the worst part is? Last year, what was MSU was two and four? Played Ohio State with Justin Fields, first round NFL quarterback, in case you didn't know. They got trounced that weekend too. But that game, it was like, hey, MSU's fighting. MSU's making an effort. MSU wants to win. This weekend, it was, holy shit. State, no, there's a game plot going on. Do we know that the Big Ten, like, we have a chance at the big? Do we know that there's a a chance at the college football playoff? Do we know that this is by far the toughest opponent we're going to play this year? Do we know that we have zero room for error this year? Do we know that we need to come out of the gates? Not a second half, not five minutes into the game, not after a few drives. We got to come out of the gates playing the best football we've played all season. Do we? Are we aware? Do we know what's happening? I knew what was happening. Nobody else did. Apparently, it was an absolute beatdown. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't. There's nothing else to say. I mean, it was a beatdown. State looked terrible. They looked unprepared. What? Like, what else do you want to say? That that one last thing about the game and the coaching. One last negative, and then we'll flip the script. The one thing, I understand how out-talented Michigan State was. I get that those corners, you could have emailed every defensive player and Mel Tucker, Ohio State's entire game plan, and they still would have put up 50. I understand that that's the case. I understand that it's year two, and Mel Tucker hasn't even begun to bring talent here outside of a few guys like Kenneth Walker, like Quavarius Crouch. I understand, like he said, the ground will be made up in recruiting, and that takes time, and this and that. I get it. How do they look so flat? How do they look like they don't even want to be there? How do they look like they had no idea that Ohio State would try and throw it deep? How were how you that unprepared? Like talent aside, speed, athleticism aside, five-star versus three-star aside, the secondary, the defense, the way defense was called, the way defense was played, it honest to God, looked like we didn't realize who we were going up against. It honest to God looked like they had no idea that Ohio State would try to test the secondary over and over and over again. It honest to God looked like nobody knew that every single receiver on Ohio State's roster is going to be a first round wide receiver. Honest to God, it looked that way. I don't know how Mel Tucker lets that happen. I don't know if it's You know, he gives Scotty Hazleton the reins and is like, all right, Scotty, fucking figure it out. I don't know how the delegation works. Ultimately, it falls on Mel. And this is the first real complaint I've had with Mel. How do you look that bad? I get it. I get the talent disparity. I understand. I get it. You got to have something. You have to have something, though. Because let's face it, Mel, as much as I believe in him and he's already started to recruit, and I do think he will bring elite talent to East Lansing, Listen, odds are you're never going to bring Ohio State-level talent to East Lansing. You start pulling in. Let's say Mel Tucker starts pulling in top 15 classes year after year, right? That's fucking great. For Michigan State, too, and what we're used to, that is top tier. I mean, if you're bringing in top 15 classes every year, like you're an elite program, you're going to win a fuck ton of football games. Even in that case, your top 15 talent isn't going to be Ohio State's top two talent. In that case, you may have great corners. They're going to have elite wide receivers. In that case, every year when you play Ohio State, you still are going to need to outsmart Ryan Day to win that game. You still are going to need to devise a game plan to slow down those first-round talents against your third-round talents. You still, at almost every position, will be out-talented. That is the case. Hauser, Hauser, however you say his name, Four-star kid coming in at QB for MSU next year. Top 200 player. Like, the best quarterback recruit MSU's ever gotten. I don't know, but he has to be one of them, at least since the D'Antonio era. He's going to be sick. He's going to be a great football player. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns. He'll be awesome. He'll win a lot of games. Whenever he plays Ohio State, their quarterback is going to be better than him. That's just a fact. That is the way that it is. Every quarterback on their roster is a five-star prospect. Kay high four-star, top 200, great player, right? Probably the highest talent, highest recruit MSU's had at QB since Jeff Smoker. I think he was a five-star. Guess what? Ohio State's QB is going to be more talented every single year. Every single year. Alex Van Summeren coming in this year. I think he's like a mid-100s player. Defensive tackle, high four-star, had offers everywhere. He's going to be a beast. Again, he's going to probably come in, play right away next year, have an impact. He's going to be an elite talent at Michigan State. The type of talent MSU hasn't gotten frequently enough, right? He's going to be great. He's going to help you win a lot of games. Nine out of the 12 games every year, he's going to dominate the guy he's playing against. But guess what? When you play Ohio State, that right guard that is covering him is going to be a five-star. Is at very worst going to be the the equivalent of Van Summeren. Like, even when Mel Tucker starts to bring in elite-level talent, starts to bring in talent that can much more easily compete, and like he said, win one-on-one battles. Even when that happens, a lot of those guys probably still are going to struggle to win one-on-one battles. That's just the reality. So at that point, with that being the case, it's fine this year. Year two, it was supposed to be a wash. Nobody expected you to beat Ohio State, right? We're supposed to be last in the Big Ten East. That's great. In year six, you can't say, oh, just need guys to win those one-on-one battles because those are the guys that are supposed to win one-on-one battles. And when you get to that point and you've had four straight top 15 classes, but Ohio State has had four straight top three classes, you're going to have to figure out a way to help those guys win the one-on-one battles. You're going to have to figure out a way for your four-star receiver to beat the five-star corner. You're going to have to game plan at some point And it didn't seem like he did that at all Sunday or Saturday. I know the talent disparity is there. I understand everything. It still didn't look like to me, it didn't feel like there was never even a flash where it was like, oh, this little wrinkle in the offense or, oh, when they they run this scheme defensively, Ohio State's kind of struggling. There was nothing, nothing that they did gave Ohio State an ounce of trouble offensively or defensively. You have to develop that, and he's done it against Michigan. He beat Michigan last year as 24-point dogs. Same deal, way less talented than Michigan. He figured it out. They beat him. Michigan this year, you look pound for pound, player for player, roster to roster. Michigan, I guarantee you, has the more talented players. They have the higher recruits. They have the raw talent. They probably should have beaten a team like Michigan State when you consider, all right, yeah, we have the guys that win one-on-one. We have the talent, our left end versus your right tackle. They should have probably beaten Michigan State on talent alone. But Mel Tucker figures out ways. Oh, we go fast in the run game. Kenneth Walker running to the edges. They can't stop it. Oh, we send the blitz on third down. Cade, that's the one time Cade kind of misses throws. We stop the run game. Mel, even in that scenario against Michigan, again, a team with more depth, more talent. Mel finds ways to make up for it. Mel finds ways to to accentuate MSU's strengths and exploit Michigan's weaknesses. But for some reason in the biggest game of your coaching career at Ohio State with the Big Ten on the line, with the college football playoff on the line, we've got nothing. We've got nothing to confuse them, nothing to give them a lit like a fucking ounce of trouble. One drive's worth of trouble. One play's worth of trouble. Nothing. That was alarming. That was upsetting. It really was. And again, like I said, they could have had the game plan and it wouldn't have mattered just because at some point it's Jimmy's and Joe's or whatever that stupid fucking expression is. Guess what? Four years from now, when you do, quote unquote, close the gap in recruiting and you do have four stars across the board and you do have top 15 classes every year and this and that and whatever, guess what? Ohio State still is going to have the edge on you and you're going to have to do something then to figure out ways to beat them. And there was no sign of that this year. Okay, enough with the negatives. Fuck that game. It's over with. Never happened. Deleting it from the memory banks. Bright side. Everybody's trying to clown Mel on that 95 mil extension. Everybody, oh, thank God. Keep him around forever. 10 years wasn't enough. 95 million for that guy. Blah, blah, blah. If you're giving up, if you're a Michigan State fan, we'll talk to you guys first. If you're a Michigan State fan and you're giving up on Mel, I hate you. What's wrong with you? Why? why? Because they beat the team that nobody beats or they, they lost the team that nobody beats because a team that was picked before the season to be the worst team in the big 10 lost to the team that was unanimously, unanimously picked to be the best team in the big 10. That's why we're just, Oh, you know what? Forget it. Let's fucking throw out all the files on Mel. He's actually not the guy. That's it. I'm supposed to not want to give him 10 years, 95 mil anymore. And to the fans of other schools. Purdue fans, they were getting their jokes off. Ohio State, absolutely. Michigan fans, I don't get what you're joking about. You fucking lost to that team. And Mel Tucker owns you, but whatever. That's a conversation for another time. Oh, 95 mil, 95 mil, 95 mil. Listen to what Mel said after the game. And he's right. And we knew it before the season. We've known it throughout the season. And we knew it Saturday. It became fucking... Undeniably evident. He will, and we need to close the gap in recruiting. At some point, you can have the ba- best schemes in the world, this and that. At some point, your athletes have to be better than their athletes, or at least on par, or at least within striking distance. And Mel is going to close the gap in recruiting. The reason you give him 95 over 10, first off, let's not forget, I'm not excusing Saturday because, again, that sucked, can't happen again. This team was supposed to be the worst team in the Big Ten. This year was supposed to be a waste of time. This year was just supposed to be, all right, let's fucking simulate through the season. Hopefully Mel Tucker lands a few recruits. Maybe they win a couple games. It doesn't fucking matter. Let's just get this over with and really get into the Mel Tucker era. That's what this year was supposed to be. And they were in that position Saturday, 9-1, and one, a chance at the Big Ten title a chance at the college football playoff in year two, in a year they were supposed to be nothing but garbage, and they were there. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that. It doesn't change the fact that Ohio State beat the fuck out of them, by all means, but let's not forget where this team has come from. They're 9-2. and two. They were supposed to be the worst team in the Big Ten. They're nine and 9-2 with a chance at a BCS or a whatever, New Year's Six Bowl in year two. In year two, and not to mention, it's not even a true year two. Mel Tucker came in two months, a month before spring workouts. Couldn't have a recruit on campus for his first year and a half being there. Just now in June, finally able to host recruits and actually fucking recruit, which, mind you, is the biggest reason, the number one reason we wanted him at Michigan State, the number one reason why he's linked to LSU, the number one reason why anybody wants any fucking coach is to recruit. He couldn't even do that until this June. All last season before they went two and four, he couldn't meet him in person. They can't run the offense in person. These guys are learning an offense and a defense and the personality of a coach through fucking zoom calls. He's bare. It's year two. Technically it's year two, but it isn't. He hasn't been here two calendar years. He hasn't practiced with his team nearly two calendar years. He hasn't been able to recruit more than five months. And they're 9-2 and two with a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl in a season they were picked to be dead last. Let's not forget that, okay? We are way ahead of schedule. That game in Columbus Saturday was never supposed to mean anything. All along, that was supposed to just be a game that's on the schedule that you have to play. It was never supposed to be college game day. It was never supposed to be a top 10 matchup. It was never supposed to be a ticket to the Indianapolis. None of that shit was supposed to happen, and it did. And it was there, and we had that opportunity. They weren't supposed to beat Michigan, and they did. And people want to say, why are you giving him 95 mil? He's way overpaid. That's not worth it. Are you fucking crazy? LSU's open, Florida's open, USC's open. You get a guy who turns a program around like that. You get a guy who goes in the transfer portal after being at Michigan State for, I don't know, six months and finds a Heisman contender. You get a guy who's reeling in right now, I think the 18th or the 17th ranked class in the country, and he's only been able to host recruits in his entire tenure at the school for five months. And that 18th or 17th ranked class is the second highest ranked class they've had in fucking 15 years. You get a guy who goes from worse than the Big Ten to 9-2 and and maybe finishing second if they beat Penn State this weekend. And I'm supposed to be sitting here talking about why we shouldn't give him 95 mil? If they don't, USC looks at that like, holy shit, look at what this guy did at Michigan State. Bring him to USC. LSU same thing. Florida, same thing. If Michigan State didn't commit to him. If Michigan State doesn't commit to him and offer him the long term and and commit and and give him the money and everything he needs, build the facility, build the infrastructure of elite football programs, if they don't do that, somebody else will. And what's going to make you more angry? Going 9 and 2 and getting fucking smashed by Ohio State in a year that was supposed to mean something anyway, or doing that and then losing your coach at the end of the season. What would make you more upset? I know. I think I know the answer for pretty much everybody here. If you're a Michigan State fan, I know you'd be more upset if they went 9-2, and two, got smashed by Ohio State, didn't get that contract offered to Mel, oh, and now he's coaching in Baton Rouge. I guarantee you'd be upset if you're an MSU fan. If you're a Michigan fan, Ohio State fan, Big Ten fan, you can say whatever you want. Keep him around forever. That's what he's going to do. He's going to get killed by Ohio State. You don't want that guy sticking around. Look at what he's done. Like, from an unbiased perspective, the turnaround he's he's put in place is fucking crazy. The fact that he went in the portal in his first offseason, brought in a guy like Quavarius Crouch, high four-star, brought in a guy from Wake Forest that didn't really play a ton at Wake, and he's a Heisman candidate, brought in Peyton Thorne, started him, who Sneaky has been having a pretty good season and turned a team, a 2-4 and team, picked to finish last in the Big Ten into a 9-2 and team that had a chance at the Big Ten title in November. You look at that unbiasedly. Oh, and not to mention, he's reeling in the 18th-ranked recruiting class, highest which MSU's had since 2015, and before that, who knows when. You look at that turnaround, if you're from Ohio State, Michigan state, fucking LSU, Montana, Nebraska. It doesn't matter. You look at that turnaround. That is damn impressive. That does not happen in college football. Mel Tucker did it. And he hasn't even begun to recruit. That's what everyone's forgetting. Oh, he, he, that's what bring him on forever. He's going to lose that Ohio state game like that forever. He hasn't even begun to recruit the 2023 class will be his first full cycle of recruiting, where the entire time he can host them on campus, he's been there the entire time, he's coached, he knows the program, he knows the players, that facility's underway. The 2023 class will be Mel Tucker's first full-on, back-to-normal college football recruiting cycle at Michigan State. In 2022, they're sitting at 18. I expect 2023 to be at least top 20, hopefully top 15. He hasn't even started. He hasn't even reaped the benefits of anyone he's recruited outside of those transfer portal guys. You don't think he's going to double down in the transfer portal this year? Fucking guarantee he will. You don't think he's going to recruit his ass off when he finally can host kids all year? Guarantee he will. This is only the beginning for Michigan State. It sucked what happened Saturday. This is only the beginning. Allow him to recruit. Allow talent to come here. Allow him to build the infrastructure. Allow him to do what we brought Mel Tucker here to do. I feel great go green. The future is still bright. That's all I got today, folks. Thanks for listening.